to the Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Susie Warren-Smith and for the next 30 minutes we're going to be talking all things food and drink. I'm joined as usual by my fellow presenter AJ Sharp, who is a taste expert. I really, Hello. Like, I really like that description. Uh, because she's a judge for the Great Taste Awards, loads of other awards, she's a food writer and she's MD of Sharp Relations, the leading food and drink PR company. So what is it that she doesn't know about food? That's a very good question. I do spend most of my time thinking about it, talking uh, yeah, about it. And eating it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're doing a bit of a farming programme today, AJ. Brilliant. And we've got two experts with us to help us answer some of our questions. We've got two Jameses. Dr. <laughs> James. Where does the apostrophe James. go with oh, no. a pair of Jameses? I don't know how you do that. <laughs> James Smith of Loddington Farm and James Loder Simmons of Nonnington Farm. Hi, guys. Morning. 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 Uh, and it's a rainy day here, so they're, they're all a little bit soaked. But as they're farmers, I'm guessing they, they're used to the weather. Yeah, we don't mind a bit of rain. Um, it's actually quite welcome considering we've had such a, a dry spring so far. You're wearing shorts. Always, yeah. Um, Always. Normally do you not have I'm, any trousers at all? I do. I wear them from October till oh. March normally. And then that's it. They go exactly in the winter wardrobe. Is it true that actually, uh, we know quite a lot of farmers, uh, AJ and me, because of the work we do, that actually the weather is critically important? Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing with farming is it's all about doing the right thing at exactly the right time. And um, very often you need the weather to be on your side for that to go well. So... Uh, and increasingly we get these long dry spells or incredibly long wet spells um, and they always seem to coincide with when we need to be getting on with certain things out and about on the farm so it can be a challenge. And James, the other James of, of uh, Nonnington Farms, is it the same with you? Uh, are you finding a change for example in the pattern of weather? Definitely, I'm finding um, as James alluded to there there's a big change between drought conditions and then flooding as well. Oh, so extremes then? Extreme, but the weather is the most biggest variable that we have in farming. Mm. Everything else we can pretty much control, but that's one element we can't. Yeah, yeah, uh, which makes it quite precarious. And and then a lot of the public will be complaining, you know, that sometimes we have a bad bit of weather and then somehow prices go up. I mean, they need to, don't they? They do. It's quite hard to absorb that stuff if you had a really bad summer or really bad winter, surely. It is, but in terms of... For us, it's about controlling what you can control. Yeah. So it's about producing food that's nutritionally dense, but at the same time improving our soils so that it can cope with drier conditions and also having um, varietal resistance, for example, so that when you do have a lot of rainfall during the spring, the crops can cope a lot more with those conditions. So it's quite scientific then, so that you, you will really look to science and, and look at soil content and looking after your soil and regenerating the soil you don't just like throw stuff in and hope it's going to be okay and you look at you know sort of bugs and things that might might damage crops it's quite scientific i guess it is quite scientific i'm quite fortunate i'm actually an agronomist 
Ah. So I'm a crop doctor, so I can actually do my own agronomy. So I can actually go into the shed, go into the field on that day, make a decision about it. And I can sort of see the whole system in the main um, and how I can control that. So in my little veg patch that I've got at home, if there's something that's not great, I can bring you in and go, James, why is, why is, why have I not, why is that not going you know, very well? And you'd be able to look at it and go, well, I know exactly what that is. <laughs> my field is very much arable crops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I was thinking, like, you know, my, my corn on the cob's beginning to spring up quite nicely, you know, and all sorts of – and there's other stuff. And I'm going, why is that not – like, my butternut squash is a bit weak. But you'd be able to go in and say, yeah, but that soil's rubbish. It doesn't like that soil or, or, or it's being eaten by slugs, so I'd get some protection out up, up there. I would have a pretty good idea. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm doing it at a really basic level, of course. While but. you've touched on, on about the pests, we're very much into integrated pest management. So we're about, we haven't used insecticides on our farm for the last um, three years. And it's about using things like companion cropping mm. to reduce the need for insecticides. So it's more holistic approach. So, so give me an example of that. So you'd plant a particular plant next to another one because you know certain pests hate that smell or hate that plant and then that will stop them from eating the other stuff. So, I'm, I'm sorry to put it at such a ridiculously low level. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, Aussie rape suffers from a pest called, um, called flea beetle and we've been using various companion crops. So we've been using beans. So we plant the beans with the um, Aussie rape and it's the scent I can't tell you ex scientifically exactly what it is mm. but there's something about having other um, crops within that rather than having a, just a monoculture having a diversity of species there d definitely seems to be a synergy and a bit of that's trial and error as well I would imagine absolutely you've yeah. got to I would say with this it's I can't just say this is how you do it you've trial and error yeah and all this and James is probably the same is that you've got to have this attitude of having a go yeah now, um, it's uh, sort of breakfast time for me and AJ. We're going to have some um, juice. Yeah, I'm excited about this. I'm excited about that. So um, James of uh, James Smith of Loddington Farm uh, also has the Owlet brand for fruit juices. Yes, we do. Which I know quite well because it's been around quite a long time. It has. Uh, we're going to have a little taster. Uh, James, just explain to me about uh, growing fruit, uh, particularly in Kent, because um, We've got amazing soil for fruit, and I do have quite a lot of fruit trees, and they just go mad in Kent. Why is it particularly this county? Is it just the weather makeup or the soil? Yeah, it's a bit of a combination, really. We enjoy some nice microclimates that, that suit tree crops quite well. There are a, a few other growing areas in the UK, so in the West Midlands, there's a little bit sort of in the West Country, and, and then up in uh, Cambridgeshire and sort of uh, Lincolnshire area there's a little bit as well but yeah good soil um, typically in East Kent we have some very nice deep soils um, and, and it's really really good for growing uh, perennial crops in West Kent um, similar I mean historically it used to be a lot of hops um, and then sort of it's become more orchards uh, so so yeah it's nice it's a nice sunny warm corner we're not too far north we tend to we tend to avoid sometimes a lot of the, the worst of the weather in Kent as, as sort of weather patterns track from the Atlantic up, sort of up to the northeast. We just let Cornwall and, and, and Somerset yeah. take all the hit Ex for that, exactly. don't we? And by the time um, it gets to us, it's run out. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. And um, so, yeah, it's relatively dry and warm. Um, and typically places like where we are at Loddington on the, the Greensand Ridge, nice, warm, south-facing slopes. It's just a very nice and aspect for trees. Yeah, definitely. 
So, AJ, what are we tasting? <clears throat> You're the taste expert. Well, can you pass one to our producer, Jan, over got there? Because two... he hasn't had any breakfast. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> we've got two different types of juice here. One's yep. got a slightly pinkish hue, and the other one, oh, yeah. more sort of cloudy apple juice colour, isn't it? Yeah, What's so, the difference between the two? So I've bought in our Kent apple juice, which is our regular, just if you want apple juice, that's that's what you would get. And, and then the... The one with a pinker tinge is apple and aronia berry, and that is a uh, it's a bit like a, a blueberry. It's a sort of a supercharged. Um, I've never berry. heard of that. So is that is that is that a UK berry? It's it's grown in the UK. Yeah. Um, a, a friend of ours, Andrew Tickle, uh, up near Brands Hatch, he grows tickle berries. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So we we buy our aronia from him. We do have a, a couple of hundred bushes in the ground at, at the farm as well, and the apple and aronia. Uh, is it's just it's one of those ones where we're trying to get something uh, a bit something a bit interesting into one of our new blends. It's relatively new. We've only just produced it as a. It's as got a great colour just because of that, hasn't it? Yeah, this this one, um, the latest batch we've just done has got a much stronger colour, and I don't know whether that's just because of the year or you know. It, at the end of the day, we 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 squash fruit and put it in a bottle, and it it's it's sort of it's the product of what nature has kind of given us during the year there's only two percent of aronia in there so you can drink it as a oh, wow. like a health shot um mm. we use it just to add some really nice color to uh, one of our drinks and also it just takes the some of the sweetness off it's quite dry it, isn't it is it? it's quite oh. a, a dry um, that's not what i'm used flavor. to for, for for an apple juice at all because it also it's not too dense that's not really yeah it's like you know what yeah. i mean by that it's, it's a bit lighter yeah some cloudy Almost juices citrusy. are very quite heavy yeah um and so the, the the thing with owlets for us is it, it's it's the idea is that it adds value to a part of our fruit growing business. So anything that isn't pretty enough to to go on a shelf and be sold as a as a fresh apple, then that can that can go into can our be juices. Used. So yeah, so it's a way of us owning part of the process. But and but how do most people make juices? Because they don't actually. You said oh it's easy we just squeeze juice, but but most people don't actually do that, do they? You're buying apple juice, but actually it's from concentrate. Yeah. Uh, how, how, so how do they do? What does that mean when it says that on a label? Well, if it's from concentrate, then the, the, the fruit will have been pressed and then effectively boiled Stored. down oh, to get oh. to drive the water off. So you end up with a much a very concentrated juice. Uh, and obviously that's a way of, you know, you, that's a, a, when with fresh juices, it's nearly all water. So you yep. try and get rid of as much of the water as possible and then you can blend it back to make other things. And we get that quite a lot with our, when people are, tasting our juices they say oh no i don't like apple juice and very often they'll have had that kind of clear yellowy mm-hmm. apple juice from concentrate and it's looks slightly brown yeah mm-hmm. and it, it's not necessarily to everyone's taste and but also um, that concentrate could have come from anywhere yes it wouldn't necessarily even be for one farm well it's a global commodity i mean it's yeah. tra- traded on on, on yeah so you just exchanges. buy something we don't even know where it comes from and then that gets put in and, and, and also, also it takes the yeah. the price down doesn't it of course well it, it makes it cheaper um so it's it's more affordable but i also think through the process of of any juice any fruits that are of the juice where you you reduce it right down to a concentrate you retain some of the flavor but you very much lose the the nutritional mm. quantity yeah. or quality of, of what you're drinking so when somebody sees a, a bottle of outlets and then they'll see a bottle of I don't know, something else. That then actually, if the price differential, that's because it's actually a different product. It's not it's the same product, product at yeah. all. Yeah, uh, you know, a, a, a tetra pack of, of apple juice from concentrate is is nothing like uh, a bottle of Owlets. Mm. Uh, and obviously, if you've got a price issue, I can understand that, but but this is different. I could drink that in the evening with, with a meal. Mm. 
Or with gin. Do you think it feels... Oh, gin. I'm trying to do the non-alcoholic <laughs> thing, James. Um, do you think that's actually... It's quite it's, grown up. It is. And it's elegant. And it's got, you know, especially the one with the aronia berries, it's got that kind of tannic cleanness mm. yeah. that I think would go really well with food. It would stand up to it, wouldn't it? Yeah. So this what, one's what's a lot, the other one? What, well, it's much more it. rounded. What varieties have you used? So that's so, just apple juice. Yes, the, the yeah. Kent apple is uh, that's that would be typically Gala, Braeburn, and Bramley. Ooh, oh wow, wow. blended, really nice. And so it's designed to to fit the the varieties we grow commercially. So, uh, and what we try and do is just try and balance out the the sugar and acid in any of our juices. So, uh, and and we use. It, you, we use a little bit of Bramley in a lot of our blends just to bring the acid up slightly. Yeah. Um, otherwise, they can be just too sweet. Bramley being a cooking apple. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Can I actually feel like I can taste those apple, apple varieties almost. You yeah. get that almost mouth-watering sensation mm. that you get when you bite into bite an actual an apple. apple, don't yeah. you? Yeah, it's amazing. So as ever, if you're listening, uh, look at the label. Mm. That will tell you everything you need yeah. to know. Yeah. Um, really like the Kent apple juice in particular, actually. Yeah, oh, my favourite was the aronia berry. Really? Yeah. Well, we yeah. try and produce something for everyone. Yeah, so. there we go. indeed, <laughs> indeed. So you've got apple juices there. Do you produce any other other type of fruit juices? Uh, we do pear juice. So oh, we see, do. A, I love pear we juice. We do a straight pear juice, and we also do a pear and ginger um, blend, which is quite popular. Didn't bring any of that with you, though, did you? I didn't. No, no I was. I, I, I should have. <laughs> I, I could have bought more. Um, no, pear juice is my favourite. I think it's, and you don't see it often, do you? It's no. really nice. It's it, quite rare. It is, mm. Yeah. Other James. Can we go on to you now? So, so you're you're you were just talking a little bit about how you, how you manage your land. Um, you're quite keen not just on that, but to actually educate young people as well, aren't you? In terms of understanding the land and where their food comes from. Totally. I I, I think we've certainly seen over the last few years, um, food security and food standards have very much come to the fore. And my wife is a teacher, and ah. she's very much um, encouraged me and. Uh, we basically have over 50 school visits every year. Over 1,000 people visit the farm. And our real aim is to engage the young in where their food uh, comes from and look at the whole process from when it's grown to when it's processed. And added to that, we've got all other groups coming onto the farm, young farmers, um, adults as well, who are, I think people are crying out now to know where their food is produced, how we do it. And there's a connection we find locally that people see bees coming and all the sheep grazing that they want to buy the lamb or buy the wheat or buy the honey. Mm. We just feel we're sort of part of the process of helping people understand where their food comes from. But there is an issue at school, isn't there, AJ? Because uh, all that stuff, you know, about when you do home economics or food science at school, it's just all stopped. I agree with you. I think there's a huge, you, you can live in a rural community and go to a rural school and not actually have any real understanding of what's going on in the fields around you and why it is. And I think what Emma and James are doing at Nonnington is really fascinating. I mean, I, am I right in thinking you're a leaf demonstration farm and there's, there's only 40 in the country, 10 that are arable? That's correct. With what's, what's the leaf thing? Uh, linking oh. environment and farming. Okay. So it's about producing food sustainably, but at the same time enhancing the environment that you're responsible for. It's about profit per hectare, but at the same time, it's looking after the nature and the environment that you're responsible for. So it's those two things in tandem rather than mm. I think historically it's been about purely food production, high input, high output. And it's 
taking a step back and actually saying to people that there's another way of doing this. So mm. we're um, a LEAF demonstration farm. We're also LEAF mark accredited. So that means um, that's a stamp that we actually produce our food sustainably. So it's like a quality mark of, of some sort exactly. or accreditation. Yes. Yep. Um, and you you have uh, young children, AJ. It's To me, if they don't understand where food comes from or, or they don't have basic cooking skills, in adulthood, they're going to struggle to, you know, eat healthily and, and actually even be able to cook something quite basic. The thing is, if we can have some basic cooking skills, it really helps, particularly if you don't have much money, but because you can make something out of almost nothing. I completely agree. And the, you know, the, the some of the parts, the individual ingredients are often a lot more cost effective. And if you know mm. how to put them together to create a cake and you can reduce your own sugar and I think a lot of it, like you say, is that education of knowing what's good. What are you looking for? How can you tell that this piece of meat is better than this piece of meat or these vegetables or, or this wheat? You know, to your point, if you haven't taught children what good looks like, how on earth can they make good decisions in the future? Yeah. And, and, and say that the, the, the basic cooking skills for me, mm. because because just with, with vegetables, you can create an amazing meal and put in maybe a tiny bit of meat if you've got complete carnivores in mm -hmm. your family. You don't have to have meat at the centre of what you do and just vegetables as a, as a sort of, I don't know, periphery around the edge. Um, are you finding that children have got a lack of knowledge in that respect? Well, and adults probably. Or, or Totally. I think it obviously starts from the parents. Yeah. Um, and then you obviously have to start at the bottom um, to educate them and hopefully they will then educate the mm. children. Just touching on AJ's point, I think um, the other thing in terms of educating children is about food waste. Yeah. I mean, all of us around here, you know, 40% of food waste, the price of food is going to go up. But at the same time, if we can educate people to reduce their food wastage, that will mean hopefully their expenditure will go down to a certain mm. extent if you can tackle that. And that's where the internet is so brilliant. Because if you were to put in three, you, got, you look at your fridge and go, oh my God, I've got a bit of a mouldy carrot and then there's some of that left over there's some of that i'm going to put those three ingredients into google it will come up with something to help you construct a meal around it won't it do yeah. you do that i do that all the time do you yeah i don't th think you cooked at home i do i love cooking oh, do you? i don't really have much time for it no. but it's actually my relaxation in the evening oh, put on a bit of music and make mm. something really delicious out of odds and ends it's satisfying mm. Mm. um do you do any visits to your farm james the other james Yes, yeah, we do. We're we're also um, Leaf Mark accredited, and we we're, we're open on the twelfth of June for Open Farm Sunday, which is a, a Leaf uh, organised national set of events. Um, and then we also through the National Fruit Show, my sister in law runs the education program for the National Fruit Show, and we have school visits on the on the farm. And again, it's all about reconnecting, trying to get anyone, be it children or adults, to get closer to where their food comes from and picking up on what you said AJ about you can live in a rural area and go to a rural school but not really know much about Literally what's going on around next door you. almost yeah but interestingly they the one of the main reasons for that is that over the sort of recent decades that farms have become producers of a raw material for a supply chain rather than providing food for their community so so what's happened is that the farms have the, the landscape has changed and farm businesses have their role almost in society has changed and it means that the consumer and uh, the the producer have have been moved further apart so yeah. by taking these initiatives uh, as as James is doing and and we do you recreate your position as a farmer in the community so you you put yourself back in the you know kind of like in the 
the vision of the, the community and get them out and educate them. And actually, all of a sudden, we're, we're looking at adding value and we're selling things. We're sell All of a sudden, we're back to selling our, our produce. I used to just produce red apples for, for national retailers. Um, and I kind of stayed behind the hedge and we, we didn't really have too much interaction. And now we realize that, that that gap between the consumer and the producer is part of our problem. So closing it is part of the solution. Initiatives like Leaf and 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 people uh, like us in as food producers that are trying to re-engage and reconnect consumers, it's basically better for them and, and ultimately it'll yeah, be better absolutely. for us. Very good. Now, you've just done a really good link for me there because you've started producing something, haven't you, James, on Nonington Farm, which you bought with you. Could you, could you just talk us through that? Right. I brought some uh, flour in, but I've actually made a, a loaf. Um, what a good man. Did you make this? I, I, used, a bre- I bre- used a bread maker. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I like my bread maker. I'm fine with that. I'm but fine I, with that. So tell me about your, so you've got a packet there of stone ground wholemeal. Uh, so what are you doing uh, in terms of producing that on the farm? Actually, what you've got there is um, heritage wheat. Mm. So we've actually t- taken a step back and are growing a variety, varieties from about 30, 40 years ago, where the nutritional va- value is far higher than what we um, have at the moment. And the uptake on this, we grew a little bit last year. It all sold within about a week. Wow. Wow. You're joking. So, so just explain to me what you, what you said there. I'll go and buy some, um, let's say I go to Waitrose, I buy some flour to put in my bread machine. Why is yours different then when you said it's heritage flour and it's lost its sort of nutritional value? And this is a, so is it a different grain or? It's still wheat, but it hasn't been um, modified over many years. And the current varieties we've got are more about <coughs> yield. Oh, I see. Um, rather than actually nutritional value. So if I can like liken that to Crofts, <laughs> get all the dogs coming up. And they've actually been bred to such a point where they're, they're, they're almost a thing on their own and they're not actually the, the, the breed that it was to start with. And over generations is actually developed in a particular way. And it's the same, same with this grain, actually. So you've gone back to the original grain. Yes. So the modern variety is not too technical about it, but things like uh, selenium and zinc, selenium that you need for your gut, that's absent in the current varieties we have. But going back to heritage, there's a broader nutritional value. There's no um, natural sugars like modern varieties, and the fibre levels are, I think, 50% more in the heritage wheat compared Mm. to modern varieties. So here we've got a combination, haven't we? You brought supermarket bread for us to compare with your heritage made bread heritage grain bread oh my that tastes completely different completely that is what bread's supposed to taste like then (laughs) i think over time we've just got we've changed our taste has changed without us actually appreciating it i didn't know that that'd be so different i didn't realize this until i obviously made some bread myself last year and noticed the difference that actually the texture there's less air in the loaf and actually it holds together better but it's almost as though this bread has been you know the supermarket one has been created to almost be flavorless so it's all about probably what you've put in on top of the toast or whatever this you can eat on its own can't you but this i've suddenly realized that this is actually quite sweet the supermarket Mm. and salty very sweet so the preservatives that they put in to that loaf that you're now will keep that loaf for about seven to ten days yeah the one that you're the one i produced probably five days which is naturally what should happen exactly. well, that wouldn't last for five days in our house anyway so that's fine 
And, it, really and nice. if you actually, I mean, I found when I actually cut um, the, the um, flour that we're producing, that actually we need less bread rather than the other commercially available loaf, you actually need more. But I find that with the apple juice, for example, that James has bought, or meat that a local farmer's you know, produced, is that it's so full of what it should be, they actually don't need as much. I think the the reality is is that the the this sort of uniform mass produced food that we we end up buying a lot of is it's all been driven by cost and industrialized in, industrial processes. Yeah, sure. So I mean, bread making was industrialized you know, through the Chorley Wood process and all that, and and now it's all about um, unit cost and you know and things like preservatives and our food giving us shelf life but actually we need gut health before shelf life so and and for me it's a it's a, a really big thing that you you know i increasingly read food labels now and anything that's got preservatives in it i try and avoid yeah um simply because you don't want something that stops biological activity in your food um, mm. and i think it's awesome i mean trying these two um i make uh, bread at home as well um and often try and buy the right sort of flour to do it. And that's um, that's a credit to you, James. That's it's hard loaf. to get I hold mean, of decent you know. flour. Can you just give us all a... So if we give you our email addresses, can you let us know the next time you're doing some of that flour? Because we'll be right on it quickly before it sells out. <laughs> More than happy. Good. Another point I'd just like to raise with this, and I think James is doing as well, is that as farmers, we're going down the route that we are producing our nutritious food is that we're actually engaging with the multinationals or the companies that produce the other bread that you've tasted today because the only way you're going to bring about bring about change is actually engaging with them and they are i don't know what james finding but i'm certainly finding they are interested and we are supplying them sustainable leaf mark produced Good. wheat yeah. on small levels but there is definitely the the window is open mm. To Good. try and change that. Well, that is that is a bit of a change too. Well, unbelievably, we come to the end of the program already. So, uh, just tell us a little bit more, uh, James Loder Simmons of Nonnington Farm. If anybody does want to come and look around with 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 any of your educational stuff, I presume they just go onto your website. We will produce. We'll, we will provide a link, of course, on our website or a direct message um, through Instagram or Twitter. Um, so so it's, yeah. it's easy, you can book on, you can find out when to go and there's different activities and stuff during the day, presumably. Yes. Great. Can you do that throughout the year? <clears throat> mm. I would pick your time of year. <laughs> <laughs> Having come here in the now pouring rain. Time of year. <laughs> and uh, James Smith of Lonington Farm. Obviously, uh, Outlet's Fruit Juice, I presume, is in all loads and loads of independent retailers, uh, but you can get it online? Yes, you can buy it online. Um, it's it's in a lot of shops all around the, the southeast um, yep. and in coffee shops. But yes, we do do some e-commerce so that you can buy direct. And can you come and have a little nose around your your gaff as well? Yeah, of course. We um, from the end of May, um, and it'll be up on our website. You can see, but we do a Thursday evening farm tour, so you can you can book Perfect. in to come on that, and uh, we can we we do a walk around the farm and uh, just talk a bit about what we do and and how it all sort of fits together. Brilliant. So we will put links to that. Um, AJ, just farms uh, and, and what the guys were saying here, um, they're real guardians actually of our landscape, oh. not just the food that we're producing. but and, and I think that point of getting closer to the to the local community is really important. I think so. And there's not really many people who don't go to the countryside, walk the footpaths, look around and go, isn't this beautiful? There's sheep, there's cattle, there's crop, there's all this beautiful landscape. And then I think they forget 
that you need somebody's the looking after it to yeah. be looking after that to have yeah. that beauty around you absolutely well you've been listening to the food talk show and um as aj was saying we're syndicated to radio stations across the uk and further afield that's a good little phrase, that, further afield today. Very good. Just a little pun there. <laughs> uh, as well as being available on Audible, Spotify, Podbean, iTunes and the podcast app on your phone. Thank you to my fellow presenter, AJ. Pleasure. I always learn stuff, do you? It's yeah, every time. And the lovely people at Producing Kent who are our partners. If you want to syndicate our fantastic <laughs> programme for free on your radio station, just get in touch with us on hello at foodtalk.co.uk. And don't forget, if you want to listen to any of our hundreds, there's loads of podcasts popping up, but we've been here for six or seven years, you know. We've got hundreds on topics from snail farming to beekeeping. So do go to foodtalk.co.uk and have a good week. Goodbye. I'm going to have some more of that bread, AJ. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing.